This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Going a little bit longer than normal today. What with all that happened yesterday, we had Alex Golish speaking at a press conference, and a lot, frankly, what he had to say at the beginning was a summary of the matchup against Navy, and most of that you kind of heard on Monday's show, but as the more than half-hour press conference went along, he got really long-winded in a good way about, well, some things you're going to hear in this first segment that I thought were fascinating, and we'll get that to you. We'll also give you a little bit of a sneak peek of tomorrow's Bullseye show, including Alex Golish, but what else is on the show that you want to tune into on Thursday morning starting at 7 o'clock? Let's see, what else do we have? A little bit of what Jalen Stokes and Chaffrey Brown had to say at the same press conference, which, by the way, ended up with Amir Abdurrahim speaking on his men's basketball team, an update that you'll hear in our third block. That's right. A three-part show today will go a full hour, and if you miss any of it, we'll put it back later on our podcast page. That's, of course, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Amazon Podcasts. In the middle of the show... Three great conversations, or at least I thought they were pretty good, that I had with the members of women's volleyball, including the head coach, Jolene Shepardson. Got to meet a freshman, Maya Thomas, and hear from Marta Svitkovich. So opening segment, we'll give you some Alex Golish in our middle block. We will let you hear from volleyball and in our third segment. We'll preview tonight's men's soccer match at Tulsa. Also speaking of being in Tulsa, two members of the men's tennis team are at a massive, and I mean massive, so big that it's not just being hosted at the University of Tulsa for tennis, but they're having to play at some other courts in that city. And just to be in this event, which again is pretty big, we'll explain in our third segment, is pretty cool. And the Bulls doubles pairing of Eric Velius and Alvin Todorica is in the main draw, which we'll explain just to get into that is a pretty big deal, (laughs) much less how they perform, and hopefully they perform well today. We'll also mention men's soccer plays tonight give you a little bit on tomorrow's women's soccer match at UAB, the next play-by-play outside of football, of course, which is Saturday afternoon in Birmingham, Alabama, that we'll have for you on Bulls Unlimited will be men's soccer back at home against Charlotte on Sunday. So football, then volleyball, then in our final block, Amir Abdurrahim, along with some soccer and some men's tennis. So Coach Golish did say a lot of the same things that he said from the game, which is, you know, the fact that the Bulls still have a lot to clean up but are in a good position. I tell you what, you're going to love what he has to say on Bullseye, and it's towards the end. Of course, I kind of had to ask the question, and it's a good one to be able to ask this early in Golish's tenure here at South Florida, and that is, okay, you had the guys trying to believe that they could win, and now you have to make sure that they're not overconfident, right? And trust me, he's on top of that. You want to tune in on Thursday to hear that. But as far as this goes, first of all, some injury situations and some non-injury situations that he updated us on. DJ Gordon was not at the game on Saturday, and it's definitely what Coach said was a personal matter. He got a little bit more into it yesterday with an update on the Bulls linebacker from Plant City. He's at practice today, um, really, I think, close to being mentally and emotionally back into it. Um, He went through a really traumatic deal. and we, we surrounded him as a team and 
uh, have given them as much support as we imaginably can. Um, I can't, you know, you, you try to sympathize and empathize with what he's going through, uh, but he's bounced back, had a smile on his face today, ran, ran with the defense, and um, we're hoping he'll be right back to normal on Saturday. Just to be transparent, I know what he went through, and there's no way he would have been playing football. You and I would have been playing any sporting event last Saturday and needed some time for sure. Now, the offensive line with Donovan Jennings really out for the last few games. R.J. Perry has been stepping in and doing very well. He ran down the latest on that position. You know, R.J.'s played right tackle for us, has played right guard for us, has played left tackle. It's helped that R.J. has been in the system. This is his third year. I don't know if like a first-year guy would normally be able to do that, and he's been really unselfish with kind of bumping around and being where we need him to be. You know, which has put Derek Bowman at the right tackle spot for two weeks now. And he's kind of settled in there and has played really good football too. I mean, like I've been dying to have six or seven that you can rotate and guys can actually like take a series off. If we can do that this weekend, that would be awesome. Um, but we've every week have had like one guy banged up and, and something has happened to where we haven't been able to actually play five and rotate one through or even two through. Like Cole Bess has played center and guard for us some. Um, Darrell Bailey's like has played on field goal for us, but we really thought he would give us more. He's been dealing with an injury. We'll see how it shakes. RJ, his position flexibility allows us to put him at a bunch of different spots. And RJ played his best two weeks, the last two weeks too, over there at left. So um, as long as Dono's back healthy, we'll see where we go in terms of shuffling those guys around. I expect them all to play though, who starts and where, we'll see. The last thing we needed was what happened at the end of the game with Mike Lofton the other day, looking like a teammate basically sat on his back, unintentional, of course, but we think he is fine. Now, one member of the defense that was supposed to contribute and probably start was defensive lineman Bernard Gooden, and this is one where he's been unavailable while now spilling the tea on exactly what made him unavailable and the fact that officially Gooden, the transfer from Wake Forest, won't be able to play and why. Here is Coach Golish. Yeah, Bernard Gooden um, got his waiver, got denied, uh, final appeal got denied on Friday. So he was ineligible um, due to starting classes in the spring at Wake, dropping classes in the spring at Wake. There was two waivers that had to work to go through. One, an eligibility waiver based on essentially missing the spring and then an eligibility waiver based on him leaving on his own and not getting dismissed and would he have gotten dismissed like end of the day the first waiver got de- denied we filed an appeal appeal got denied on Friday afternoon so sucks but he'll miss the year and uh, sucks for him I, I don't know if everybody's looking for a rant on the NCAA I'm, I ain't doing it it is what it is they got they can got power on me too so I'm just gonna hang tight on that one probably a smart idea coach goal is pretty smart he also dropped a couple S-bombs <laughs> during the press conference, meaning he was feeling it. And speaking of that, on this rather lengthy clip, he was asked by Matt Baker to basically assess, updated, as we near the midway part of the season, how the whole transfer portal process worked out. Obviously, the Bulls had to dip deep into it. Interesting stuff on how essentially they weeded some guys out. And, Frank, on what it means to him, the guys who did choose to come here. I think without those guys, it would be really hard to continue to continue to progress as the season's gone on. You know, some of those guys have been critical for us. 
I think more than anything, the guys we added there in the late period, and you're always, I, I told our staff going into that period, like most of the time when, you've, when I've taken guys late, they haven't panned out because there's a little bit of a panic that ensues because you're like, man, I need, I need that spot filled. And, and I've spent my entire career recruiting junior college, so that's where generally you make all your mistakes is when you say, man, we've got to have a name a position, D-tackle, and then you, you tend to invent them. Like, you're like, well, that guy's pretty good, right? You know, and you tend to invent these guys. So my challenge to our staff and, and myself as I watch these guys was to be really, really critical, like in terms of ability, just purely film ability, what do they look like, really critical, and make sure we're not inventing guys. With the thought in the back of my mind that we needed certain spots in the worst imaginable way. We needed a corner, like had to get Braxton Clark here. You know, we needed interior D-line help, had to get Manny Hickman, had to get Bernard Gooden, like had to get some of these guys that were must-gets for us, had to get Michael Brown Stevens at receiver. You know, on the old line, Zane Herring, like holy smokes, thank I, I thank God every day that Zane is here. So some of these integral pieces into what we're, like, like would have been hard to line up and play without them, but the one thing that I credit our staff with, all the way from recruiting and James Thompson and, and the internal recruiting side of what we've done into you know Alex Fagan and Effie Levy and these guys and Will Baylor, those guys that sit in the back room and just, just plug through film, all the way to our, our full-time coaches that, man, like, yes, we're, I don't know about desperate, but like desperate would be probably a good word for certain spots. Don't sacrifice character. Like, whatever you do, don't sacrifice character. And, man, we brought in a lot more guys than we signed. There were guys, like, when they're coming in on an official visit, like, it's way less let's show these guys what Tampa's all about and let them out on the town. And, and more, like, like, if they're really coming here to play, like, this is a two-day freaking interview. Are they about football, their team, helping us get better, and are they good human beings? Like the football part checked off, it's the rest of it. And there are several guys that, that I was like, man, like that guy's on a plane out and I'm good, like keep it moving. And there's certain guys that we went back and forth on, but I think the guys we took have added, not just from a football side, but from a character side, a development side. You know, I, I think in the portal, just like in, in life really, but certainly in coaching, I think you're either always running to something or you're running away from something. Us as grown-ups, jobs, relationships, like you're either running to something or running away from something. And I tried to be in the portal very attentive to guys that are running to something. Now, I'm also self-aware enough that we were recruiting off a 1-11 record and one of the worst teams in the country and the worst defense in the country and all this negative crap that's going on. So. I was really upfront about what the heck they were running to. And if they still were attracted to it, that was our kind of guy. I was very upfront and open, like you're coming here and it's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done. We're gonna challenge you in every imaginable way. The second that you don't add quality character to this team, I'm gonna get rid of your butt. Every one of them that's here was like, that's what I want. So then they came. And I say that all of that very humbly, like you still have to sell yourself in the program and all of that, but. I really think we found a bunch of guys, and we're not perfect like at all, but we found a bunch of guys that were running to something rather than running away from something. It's been really fascinating. Like I, I learn every day, and I, I watch it, and I'm super critical of it, 
but I'm fascinated by how they've come together because I think it is a bunch of guys that ran to something. And he wasn't done talking about the transfer portal, and that's why this is an hour-long show because you're about to hear in the middle segment a good 15 minutes of volleyball with Jolene Shepardson along with Marta Svitkovic and Maya Thomas. And don't forget, we still have Amir Abdul-Rahim and a couple of big soccer matches and some tennis to talk about. But here is more on the whole process of going through, and this is what I found was very interesting. This is kind of the first time now that we know who the players are that he's able to go in depth on finding out more about potential future bulls. There's not a single young man we took that I didn't talk to the head coach of where they came from. And, you know, we have the same policy that I think probably everybody else does that, listen, don't ever badmouth any one of our guys. Any one of our guys that's leaving, don't ever say a bad word about anybody. And, and I would never try to hurt a young person's chances of going anywhere. But at the same time, man to man, head coach to head coach, I'd ask questions. And, and certain guys I know way better than others. But generally, if the guys are in it for the right reasons, and if you're a head coach at this level, you generally can get the truth out of somebody. And whether it's reading body language or just hearing a tone and reading between lines, you usually can know what the heck actually happened. And so every single one of these guys, I talk to their head coach and um, and respectfully, I would think they should talk to me. I'm shocked what happens in the portal, though, because not everybody calls, which is like crazy. Like you're going to bring a guy into the program and not talk to the head coach of the place they just left from. There's a lot of people doing that. But to each their own, and everybody's doing it their own way. But for me, I went into each guy, and I think recruiting in general, I went into each single situation with trying to cut lists. Like you're trying to get rid of guys in terms of on a list, because otherwise, if you're trying to find reasons to take guys, you're going to screw it up. If you're trying to find reasons not to take guys, you generally are going to get to the right guys. And so, no, there was a lot of like incredibly early mornings, late nights, and you're going through a million, million names. Luckily, like I said, James Thompson heads that up for us. He did an incredible job. He's going to continue to do an incredible job of, of filtering through, one, are they good enough first? if they're good enough and they can actually make a difference for us. And there's two types of transfers, right? There's, there's the guy that you need to come in and be an immediate impact guy, which generally they're a little bit older, or there's a younger guy that you know still needs some time. Jaden Alex is a prime example. Um, needs a little bit of time. He's been out of high school for two years, but he hasn't played. I remember watching Jaden play live and being mesmerized by the talent and who he is as a young man and the family he comes from. Well, where I was at, he wouldn't talk to me. So he goes to uh, Texas, gets hurt, doesn't play for two years. Like, that's a guy that you're like, man, I've seen what he is at his best. He's an incredible human being. He works harder than anybody in, in our program. He's the first one in, last one out. That's the guy I want. He'll develop into the best version of himself, and I've seen him at his best. Maybe he's not an immediate starter, but gosh darn it, he will be. So there's those two different kinds of guys. Like, I think you can – and especially if they're Florida kids like he is, certainly Tampa area kids, but a Florida kid that's like dying to get out of a situation and super excited to get into a situation, that's different than a Manny Hickman who's, or a Michael Brown Stevens who've started a ton of games and are really looking for a better opportunity. Like two different guys, I think you can certainly fill a roster with both. You need to because if you just take all older guys – you, you never build a foundation for what you are trying to actually build. Like, we're trying to build a program, not a team. 
And in the meantime, we got to build a team, but we have to build a program. You got to have a foundation. So you need Jaden Alexis as much as you need Michael Brown Stevens and Manny Hickman and Andrew Mataafa and name them. Like guys that don't have a bunch of years, you still need those young guys too. What a story about Jaden Alexis, huh? Wouldn't even talk to him at a previous stop. Speaking of that, he also said that Jalen Schuler was a stoic guy who doesn't say much, but you know what you're going to get out of him every day, very steady. Ironically enough, he was our guest on Bullseye, and he said plenty. Yeah, he's not going to give you some loud proclamations, but he gave us a lot, especially on the defensive PAT and the phrase wolf tickets. You're going to love Jalen Schuler. And another funny thing now, I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time, in case you're watching the show on YouTube, because I'm going to edit it out of the audio portion of the show, but there was a time basically where he was talking about Todd Orlando, and he said a lot that we do air. But on the radio portion, I'm going to take out where he caught himself. Basically, you could tell he he wanted to say a phrase that was a cuss word. So when it comes to that part on Bullseye, which airs Thursday morning from 7 to 10, we repeat it every hour here on Bulls Unlimited exclusively for the first time. But also later, yes, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. When Jalen Schuler catches himself, the phrase that he didn't want to say was badass, which is Definitely not that much of a cuss word, but it shows you that even though he is one of those, he's also a respectful young man. But Jalen Schuler, look forward to catching that. And don't forget also on the show tomorrow, along with Coach Gullis, you will hear from Erica Brandon of Women's Golf. And we had a fantastic sit down with her. The golf teams get back at it on Monday. And one more from Coach Gullis. Speaking of going long, we're going a full hour today. And we went a couple minutes over our normal chat segment on Bullseye, and we could have even gone longer, trust me. But in this case, tells us why he got a little bit emotional after the game on the television interview and how it all sort of caught up to him. He explained it very well here. A little personal side for sure in this case. Probably because my wife is emotional and she was standing right there. I don't know. I We don't get time to reflect on anything. We just like just keep moving to the, the next thing. So when I see her and... and like I could tell she's she's proud and and um, I, I just I always think back to like what we've done to get to this point. And I think like there's certain moments of reflection, I think to myself of what's gotten us to this point. I look at my wife who I've dragged all over the country and she's the most unselfish person I've ever met because she just says, let's go and I got your back and we're rolling and she picks up our kids and goes. That's I think like emotionally that's where I'm like man like I'm so grateful for having a support system like that so grateful for having a a support system in our staff that's like when you say we're going to do this they they run and do it and are just really really resilient and bought in just like the kids and that doesn't happen everywhere I'm proud of our guys because where we started was a ginormous resistance to change and that came in two ways, either guys that stayed and didn't know like if they wanted to really buy in or were just going to like, I, I was just like the guy before the guy before, or if I was actually going to do what I said I was going to do. And then the guys that were really resistant to change left. And I just, when I reflect on that, and for whatever reason, I tend to reflect on it when I'm just standing there and somebody asked me a question on it. I'm so proud of those guys that got over that hump of, you know what, like we don't really want to work like he wants us to work and we don't really want to do what he says he wants us to do because we don't know if, simply because we don't know if he's going to do what he says he's going to do. 
and I'm so grateful to our staff and, and really humbled by the fact that we've been able to stay the course and never lower the standard, never pull back from what we said we were going to do and demand greatness from our guys in everything that they do. And, and when they fall short, we love them, put our arm around them, show them the way, and then when they achieve anything, we love them just the same. When it results in a win, I don't know, it humbles me even more because I'm like, man, like, don't pull back, don't lighten up, don't even take a breath here to enjoy this for a second because the second you, you take a breath, somebody's going to outwork you. And I guess maybe all of the emotion of that, starting with my wife, it, like, that, that's probably what it is. But I'm just humbled and grateful for our players, our staff, the support from our administration, the support from our board. Like, I feel like everybody has had my back since the moment I got here and nobody's ever said no to anything. And they've just said, man, like we believe in you, we trust you and have let us do it our way. And I guess all of that humbles me. Now I think you see why we went a full hour with this show because, well, the three interviews I did with volleyball that you're about to hear ran about 20 minutes. And what was I going to condense that to, to four or five minutes? <laughs> that was too good. Here's a little bit also of the student athletes who spoke, namely first on the defensive side, Jalen Stokes, followed by receiver Chaffrey Brown. Uh, we just trust each other. Everybody knows we're going to do each other's jobs. Like, we know that everybody going to bring their bring their hat to the table. Everybody knows we're going to bring our hard hats every week. So we just go work. We just work at that every week. And we still, with that being said, we still leave a lot on the table. So we're trying to focus on finishing our opponent, like destroying our opponent every week. Like, we know we leave out there. We know we're not at our full capable ability yet. So we know we have a lot to get done. Yeah, it's been a good mix. At first, some of them might be quiet. They might not talk to everybody at first, but the older, the older people that have been here, they just come up to them. They might have lunch with them or just come talk to them in the locker room and stuff. And they change lockers, so everybody sit beside somebody new now, so you get to uh, know a lot of people. Nice intel there from Chaffrey on a little team bonding ploy. I love that. And much more on the receiving core, incidentally, and how it's come together will be coming your way on tomorrow's Bullseye Show. Incidentally, Tramel Logan, who got that scoop and score, was named the Defensive Player of the Week. And again, with Coach Golish on bullseye when he talks about what's going on at the end of the game when it comes to the offensive and defensive coaches exhorting each other to finish it's it's enthralling and so we do bulls beat now monday wednesday friday with tuesday being bull speed ahead with michael kelly that was fun and thursday being bullseye so stay tuned for that 